0: Good to go. Yes, I'm good. All right. Church, good morning. It's good to see you. I see a few uh, around me. I know that you're you're seeing me this morning, but even if, even though I don't see each one of you individually staring out at you from behind the pulpit, I still imagine that I see you. I'm uh, glad that you're with us this morning, and if you're not a member of Southside, and you've chosen to worship with us this morning, I want to uh, say welcome to you as well. Uh, Now, understand, next few weeks we're working through some bugs, some technical difficulties, but we're going to do the best we can. I want to say thank you, first of all, to Brother Jeff Smith for teaching the Sunday school class, for Ben and the Dubois family and Grayson. You guys did a great job. I I love you all for your service. God bless you. Now, this is going to be a little different than what we're used to. It's definitely different than what I'm used to. Anyone who has known me for any length of time that's heard me preach, they're going to know how difficult it's going to be for me to sit still and preach to a camera. Uh, because I, I move around quite a bit, and one of the reasons I do is because it helps me think. Uh, if I stay still too long, I think my brain begins to cloud, it fogs over, but I'm going to do the best I can to do what the professionals say, and that is to look at the camera and uh, stay still. So I'll do the best I can, but don't count on that happening. I- I'll just tell you that right up front. I'm glad you chose to worship with Southside this morning. I want to invite everybody to take the Bibles, turn to familiar passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 6. Now we're going to look at several verses. We're going to be focusing on verses 25-25 through 34. And many of you are familiar with that passage. Matthew chapter 6. I'll give you just a minute to find that. Then we're going to have a word of prayer. uh, And then we'll get started with a message this morning. And I hope you got your Bible. Most of you probably at home, you should have a Bible around the house. So make sure and turn your Bible this morning. Matthew chapter 6 again, we'll start uh, in just a minute looking at some verses there But we're going to focus on verse 25 through 34. Let's have prayer father this morning as we open your word uh, This morning as there are so many different things going on in the world around us I pray we forget about that. We would focus on your word We would focus on what you would say to us through this time God, we want to praise you with our lives. Uh, We want to thank you for the lives you've given us. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity you've given us to share the gospel uh, with a lost world. Today, I pray that you're glorified and our hearts are open, our minds are open to what you're saying to us. and, And, Father, we would be encouraged because of your word, not because of anything that we may think or preconceived idea we may have, but we'd be encouraged because of the power of your word. In Christ's name, amen. Now, folks, this morning I want to talk to you about something that we all have to face from time to time, all of us do. And I know, especially over the last couple of weeks, many folks have been having trouble with this. Now, this, uh, this sinister minister of evil, this unseen adversary that we have to deal with, many times leaves its mark on our lives. For instance, it can mark us physically. Uh, it can show up in, in things like ulcers or stomach problems or or having difficulty breathing. It can show up as uh, stress across our face, you know, wrinkles or or tension lines. It can also manifest in ways such as lying in bed at night, staring up the ceiling because you can't go to sleep. Now, what is this sinister minister of evil, this unseen adversary that I'm talking about? Well, some folks call it tension. Others call it anxiety, but here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus simply calls it what it is, and he calls it worry. Now, every time that I have read Matthew 6, it always amazes me. Uh, Jesus makes it very clear that people 2,000 years ago, they worried about and were concerned about the same things that we worry about and are concerned about today. For example, look at verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6. They were worried about money. It says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. You know, think about this, folks. Poor people, they worry they don't have any money. Rich people worry they don't have enough money. So poor folks spend their life seeking treasure. Rich folks spend their life laying up treasure. Then Jesus said that some folks, they worry about basic necessities. Such things as food. Look at uh, verse 25. First part of verse 25, Jesus says, therefore, I say unto you, uh, take no thought for your life. That's what it says in the King James. But a better rendering of that would be uh, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink. Now, there are some people and, and, and for many years it's been this way, particularly in other parts of the world, other countries, that they are concerned each and every day where the next meal is going to come from. Now, there are people, I know we have some in America and may uh, have some more people in the near future. They may be concerned about where their next meal <coughs> excuse me, is going to come from. But I think the majority of us in America, and I'm pretty sure the majority of us at Southside Baptist Church, uh, <coughs> we don't really need to be con- too concerned about where our next meal is coming from. But I think, uh, and I include myself in this, instead we ought to be concerned about the fact that we could miss a few meals. Amen. Uh, then I want you to notice Jesus says again in verse 25 that some folks back in his day just like today They're overly concerned about their appearance Because Jesus goes on to say verse 25. We should not worry about our body now I, Don't get me wrong and i've said this before i preached about it before i'm not against physical fitness I think that the uh, person ought to eat right they ought to get plenty of rest they ought to exercise but i am amazed and how concerned people are in America over their appearance, the appearance of their body. I remember the story about Paul Harvey. He told one time about a senior citizen, an elderly man, who put braces on his false teeth, so he looked younger. It reminds me of a story I heard about a lady. Uh, She was on up... you know, in, in her senior years, and she decided that she wanted to have a makeover. She's going to have cosmetic surgery, have a facelift. So she went to her husband and was talking to him about it, and he said, well, honey, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. She said, well, I would like to have the perfect face. And she said, I, I, I've been wanting to do this, but I'm just afraid to spend that much money. He said, well, honey, why, why were you afraid to spend it? She said, well, think of it this way. What if I finally get the perfect face That I've always wanted. But at my age, you never know. Three months later, I may die. She said, what would you do then? Her husband thought about it and he said, well, I guess we would just have an open casket funeral then. Folks, there are people that worry about their parents. They worry about their bodies. They worry about the clothes they're going to wear. I, I mean, America, we are over the edge when it comes to fashion. I want you to look. Verse 28 of Matthew 6. Jesus says, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Where's the fashion conscience uh, here in America? You've got to have the right label. You've got to have the, the right brand. you got to have, uh, uh, you know, the right style. Even now there are, are underwear, socks, and shoes. got to have the right labels on it. Then there's another group. There are people, and I think this is where many people, uh, they fall into this group today. And... and uh, this point I want to get to. There are many people that are worried, especially today, about the future. I want you to look at verse 34. Jesus again says, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Somebody said this and said it well. They said, "Worries the interest we pay in advance today for trouble that may never come tomorrow? Well, folks, this morning, very quickly, I want you to listen to what Jesus has to say about this matter of worry And what I want to do is give you some practical steps To take to deal with worry And quite frankly let me Let me just say this If you don't need this message I do And the first step that I want you to take And I want you Maybe you want to write this down If you're dealing with worry The first thing you need to do Is admit that worry is a sin And then after you admit that it's a sin Ask God to forgive you of that sin I realize folks that That uh Many people, they don't think worry is a sin, but I assure you it definitely is. Let me give you a definition of sin. Sin is disobeying any commandment that the Lord gives. I want you to notice three times, verse 25, verse 31, and verse 34, Jesus says, do not worry. Again, in the King James, if that's what you're using, it says, take no thought. But it means don't worry. Now, the Greek that's used there for worry or take no thought is a combination of two smaller words. One word means to divide. The other word means mind. So a worrier is someone who has a divided mind. Matter of fact, our English word for worry actually comes from a German word, vorgang. And it means to strangle. Friend, listen to me. That is exactly what worry does. It strangles your faith. It also suffocates your spiritual life. It suffocates that trust that you ought to have in Almighty God. Now, I realize and I believe that many people think that worry is one of of those acceptable sins, respectable sins in the Christian life. And I can prove what I'm saying. If it was possible... For me to ask everybody that's listening to me this morning to ask this question, you show your hands. If I would say, how many of us worry? Raise your hand. I can just about guarantee you practically every one of us would raise our hand. Now, why would we do that? Because, folks, worry, again, is one of those respectable sins. It's one of those acceptable sins. But... If I ask people, say, all right, show me your hand if you commit adultery, if you've lusted, if you've stolen, if you've lied, if you've cheated, uh, if you have, uh, uh, as the Bible says, bear a false witness against your neighbor, show me your hand. Well, nobody's going to raise their hand on that. Why? Because those sins we view as being disrespectful. We view those sins as real sins. Worry is really, it's okay. It's one of those acceptable sins. Friend, I want to give you a great truth. I want you to hear it and hear it well. In God's eyes, there's no sin that's respectable. There's no sin that is acceptable, especially this sin. Now, I want to show you something. Look again at verse 25. The tense of the verb that's used there for worry or take no thought, when it's properly translated, folks, it actually means stop worrying. And now look at verse 31. There's a different tense that's used here. The verb, the, the, Word in verse 25, properly translated, means stop worrying. In verse 31, it's, trans- it's, it's different, the uh, tense of the verb. It means don't stop worrying. Now, let me explain this to you. What Jesus is saying is, if you're worrying, stop it. If you're not worrying, don't start it. If you're worrying, get out of sin. And if you're not worrying, then stay out of sin. So, number one, the first step for dealing with worry, admit that worry is a sin. And then after you admit it, ask God to forgive you. Now, let me say this while I'm on this point. I'm talking predominantly to Christian folks this morning. But if you're tuned in, you're listening to us, and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. If you're going to escape worry, you need to understand the first step is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Because without Jesus, worry has you in bondage. Without Jesus, there's no way to escape that monster of worry. So the first thing you need to do, make sure you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have that relationship, make sure that you understand that that, that, uh, worry is a sin and admit it's a sin. Ask God to forgive you. The second thing you need to do with worry is acknowledge that worry is useless. Worry produces nothing of value. Uh, I heard an old preacher say one time, worry is like riding a rocking horse. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you any place. It gives you something to do, but it produces nothing about you. Look at verses uh, 25 and 26. Jesus said, "Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing." And Jesus says, "Look at the birds of the air; for they neither sow nor reap, (coughs) excuse me, nor gather in the barns." Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, this has always amazed me. Every time I've read this, and I've always thought this way, I want you to notice the advice that Jesus gives about worry. and He says, uh, let me give you a little advice. He says, uh, be a bird watcher. If you have a problem with worry, be a bird watcher. Now, think about this, folks. And I know there are probably millions and million—I don't, know, maybe billions—of birds in the world. And I think, by and large, most birds, most birds, they're probably healthy and happy. I mean, honestly, I would guess that you would be hard-pressed in the history of the world to find a bird that was ever treated for high blood pressure, for acid reflux, for uh, stress, or for stroke. And listen to me, Christian, when you worry, it puts you even lower than the birds because you're doing something that even a bird doesn't do. Think about the birds that you see outside. I I saw some uh, flock of birds flying over this morning over the house, and I was reminded of this. Birds, they don't worry. They sing, they chirp, they fly, they build nests, they eat worms, but they don't worry. Now listen, this is what Jesus, the master teacher, is wanting to teach us. He's given us a lesson from nature that should always stay with us. And it's very simple. And the lesson is this. If God takes care of the birds of the air, do you not think He's going to take care of you? Listen to me, friend. Jesus did not go to Calvary. He did not die for birds. He died for you and for me. The great poet Emerson once said, All I've seen teaches me to trust the Creator for all I have not seen. Now let me ask you something What farmer would feed his chickens but not feed his kids? And friend, do you actually think that Almighty God would feed the birds of the air and not take care of his own children? Absolutely not. Let me give you a great verse, a powerful verse of Scripture. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 32. It says this, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, Christian, let me ask you. Do you believe that Almighty God, who redeemed you, who bought you, who, who brought you, and bought you unto himself, who broke the shackles of Satan, who busted the, the shackles of sin, forgave your, your sin, promised to take you from hell to heaven, adopted you, and put you into his family, and gave you eternal life? Do you think that that God who did all that would not go with you and be with you and take you through today and tomorrow? Well, of course he will. That's why worry is foolish. But I want you to see the second thing in this point. Look at verse 27. Worry is also fruitless. It says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a stature? Worrying, that's not going to add one inch to your height. That's not going to add one minute to the the clock of your life. Worry never solved a problem. Worry never dried a tear. Worry never lifted a burden. Worry never overcame any obstacle. It never made bad things good or good things better. You know what worrying is? And I heard uh, Dr. James Merritt say this Worrying is like trying to shovel smoke. You're no better off when you finish than you were when you started. Let me tell you two things, folks. First, let me say this uh, Do you know what worry actually does? Worry pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. You see, worry it, it does not empty tomorrow's sorrows. It just increased on this before. Two things you should never ever worry about. Number one, you should never worry about anything you can change. Number two, you. Should, now, did you catch those? You shouldn't worry about things you can change. Why? Because if you can change it, change it and stop worrying about it. You shouldn't worry about things you can't change. Why? Because you can't change them, you can't do anything about them, so why worry about them? Now, don't worry about things you can change and don't worry about things you can't change. You can't change. Anything else, go ahead and worry about it, okay? Folks, Mark Twain once said this. He said, I've been through some horrible, terrible things in life, some of which actually happened. That's what worry is. You know, worry is a waste of time. Worry, it wastes today's time... Cluttering up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's trouble. Uh, I remember reading sometime years ago, uh, actually in another sermon, how scientists say that an 8-ounce glass of water, when it is atomized, when it is broken into 60 million droplets, 8-ounce glass of water can cripple 7 city blocks, square city blocks. Now I want you to think about this. And cripple those city blocks in a dense fog that's 100 foot deep. Think about this. One little bitty eight-ounce glass of water can cripple seven square city blocks. That means that one eight-ounce glass of water can bring a huge airport to a sudden screeching halt. Friend, that's what worry does. That's why worry is so fruitless. It benefits nothing. And just a little bit of worry can cause a whole lot of problems. Reminds me of a little boy I heard about his teacher uh, it was a grade school class, and she was teaching them how to do fractions. There's a little boy sitting on the front row, and the uh, teacher said, Tommy, tell me, uh, what is three-quarters of seven-eighths? little boy said, Miss Johnson, I-, I don't know, but I'm sure it's not enough to worry about. Folks, most things in life, it- it's definitely not enough for us to worry about. There's nothing that should be enough for us to worry about. So why do we worry? Look at verse 28 and 30. Not only is worry fruitless, doesn't produce anything, but it's also faithless. Again, verse 28 through 30. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory. Remember, Solomon, the richest king in Israel's history, probably the richest king in the world. Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass, the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of little faith? Now, I want you to think about this. uh, The simplest flower. Think about the wildflowers we have in Oklahoma. And we we actually, we've got some beauties in Oklahoma from this time of year on through uh, mid-part of summer. I want you to think about those flowers next time you see them. And I want you to remember this. What Jesus is saying is you could take the most glorious garment ever made for a very rich king like Solomon. But you take that garment, put it under a microscope, you know what's going to look like? It's going to look like a burlap sack, like a burlap bag. But if you examine just one petal off of a flower, you put that under a microscope, you're going to get lost in the wonder and the beauty of what you see because of the texture, the form, the substance, the color of that flower. And you know what amazes me? Man with all his ingenuity, man with all his creativity, he cannot come close to duplicating the beauty and the glory that God put into one petal of one flower. Now the point Jesus is making is very simple. If God will take care of those flowers, do you not think God is going to take care of you? Number one, if you're going to do away with worry, admit that worry is a sin. Then ask God to forgive you. Number two, acknowledge that worry is useless. It produces nothing of value. And then the third thing, you need to commit to not worry and be faithful to that commitment because Jesus gets very personal and practical. And the reason Jesus does is he understands us. He he knows our frame. He understands our frailties. He knows that by human nature... We're going to be inclined to worry. And he gives us two simple keys of how to overcome worry. And, and folks, I'm going to tell you, if you will apply these keys to your life, you'll break the shackles of the bondage of worry. And I promise you they work. They worked in my life. I can vouch personally that they work. But greater than that, Jesus promised that they would work. And the first key is this. Look at verse 31 through 33. The first key Jesus gives us is keep your focus in the right direction. Again, verse 31, Jesus said, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now here's the solution, folks, to worry. And it's found in a a familiar motto, three words. You know what they are? First things first. First things first, when you seek God's kingdom, you seek God's righteousness, you're seeking God. And when you're seeking God, you're learning about God. When you're learning about God, friend, you're growing in God. When you're growing in God, you're trusting God. And listen, friend, when you're trusting God, you're not worrying. Amen? Amen? Now, I want to tell you this and be very clear about it. As long as you are trying to run your life yourself... As long as you want to control everything in your life and everything around you, as long as you want to be the only one calling the shots, making the decisions, then, friend, you are going to worry. There's no way around that. But once you understand and once you figure out that your concern, your only concern ought to be God's concern, and your will ought to align with God's will. And when that happens, I'm telling you, worry will end and joy will begin. I remember hearing about an old cowboy, he walked into a tax shop, into a saddle shop, and he asked the guy behind the counter, he said, uh, he said excuse me, mister, y'all sell spurs? The man said, yes, sir, they're $10 a pair. The cowboy put a $5 bill on the counter, he said, give me one spur. The man behind the counter said, what on earth are you going to do with one spur? That cowboy, in his philosophical way, as most cowboys are, he said, well, I reckon if I get one side of that horse up to speed, the other side's going to follow. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. I promise you, if you will trust God today, he'll take care of you tomorrow. I can promise you that. Number one, keep your focus in the right direction. Now look in verse 34. The second key, and it's simple, and we all know this, live one day at a time. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Look again, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is the trouble. Sufficient for the day, I think King James says, is the evil thereof. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. You know, Abraham Lincoln once said, the best thing about the future is it only comes one day at a time. Now, friend, let me be very clear. The only day that you ought to be concerned about is right here, right now, today. Yesterday, it's gone. You can't change it. Tomorrow had not arrived yet, so you can't touch yet. The only time you have is the present. It's the here and now. And Jesus knows the most important period of time is always the here and now. Because Jesus knows your nows will soon become uh, yesterdays. And listen to me, friend. If you will live each now well, then you can live a life without regrets. Now, I want to finish up here, but I want to say one final thing to you this morning. I want to tell you and, and, and it's going to sound contradictory because really it is. It's going to be completely contrary to everything else I've said about worrying this message. But you know, many, many people today all around the country, all around the globe, they're worrying about so many things. They're worrying about the, the virus. They're worrying about the spread of the virus. They're worrying about the government shutdown. They're worried about not having enough money. They're worried about their health. Uh, so many people are worried about all these things, but here's the sad truth, and I want you to listen to me. And you may be one of these folks. So many people are worried about all these things, but the same people that are worried about these things, they're not worried about the most important thing, and that is dying without Jesus Christ and spending the eternity in hell. You say, should you worry about that? Oh, that's one thing you definitely all to worry about. Friend, the Bible makes it very clear. Don't tune me out. Stay with me on this. The Bible makes it very clear there are two things that you better be worried about if you don't know Jesus Christ. And that's death and judgment. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9, it's appointed unto man once to die and after that is the judgment. One of these days, and this is just the simple truth, the hard facts. One of these days, everybody listen to me right now, myself, everybody I know, everybody you know, one of these days we're going to die and we're going to stand before God. We're going to meet God face to face. Now, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to tell you, Christian, you'd be foolish to be concerned about that, to be worried about that. But if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you would be foolish to not be concerned and worried about that. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, you all would be worried. I don't know how else to put it. But i got some great news for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you can know Him. And, and listen, I'm going to share just a few things with you here, and then I'm going to give some good news to those who are Christians, who know Jesus Christ. But if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you've never repented of your sins and by faith trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, I want you to listen to me. God loves you so much, and I'm going to use the verse that everybody knows. It's so simple. Everybody quotes it. They learned it in Bible school. Uh, It's one of the verses that most people, even those that don't even go to church, know. John 3, 16. It's the gospel in a nutshell. It says that God loved you so much that he gave his son. That means Jesus came and went to Calvary's cross, died for your sins because sin uh, separated us from a holy and a righteous God. And Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. And he came and gave himself as a sacrifice and atonement for us to make us right with God. And it says that God loved us enough, he sent his son to take our place. And the verse says, and whosoever believeth in him, believe, that's the simplest, whoever believes in him, believe, that. that's the simplest, uh, the simplest of simplicities, believe. But let me tell you something. That word "belief" goes beyond a head knowledge. It speaks of having a faith in your heart in Jesus Christ, of trusting Him, not knowing about Him, but trusting Him and knowing Him. It says if you'll believe in Him, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and then it says you shall not perish. That means you're not going to go to hell, but you have everlasting life. That means you get to go to heaven. Folks, that's a simple gospel. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that uh, if you will... uh, Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, or believe uh, in your heart that he was raised from the dead, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Because with the, mouth, conf- with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible says in Romans ten thirteen, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let me tell you what you do. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to do that. Because, friend, you'll never escape worry without jesus and you'll never escape the consequences of sin without jesus and you'll never understand what it means to live a life of purpose to live a life that god has created you and designed you to live without jesus christ it's so simple you just bow your head where you're at humble yourself before god and you say something along these lines father I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I ask for that forgiveness. Jesus Christ, I ask you to come into my life, into my heart, and save me and be the Lord of my life. And then, once you've done that, you need to let somebody know You can call us here at Southside. Our number is posted on the Facebook page. Or if you have Brother Damon or I's number. Or maybe you attend another church or there's a church close at hand. Call that church, but you need to let somebody know. If you call us, we're going to give you some help to help you on your first steps in that new life, that new journey with Jesus Christ. And we'd be more than happy to do that. The good news is, if you don't know Jesus, you can know him. Now, I got good news for Christians. You know what that good news is? I preached about it for about 20 minutes. That good news is, Christian, those of us that know Jesus Christ, we don't have to worry. You see, we don't have to worry about the big things in life. Big things like the the coronavirus, government shutdown, uh, death. That's about one of the biggest things of all, isn't it? We don't have to worry about that. Now, listen real close, Christian. The Bible tells us that in Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. Here's the problem that Christians have. We take our focus off of Christ and we look at the world around us. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. Because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to worry. We forget. Christian, we're not citizens of this world. Paul makes it real clear. Our citizenship is in heaven. We need to keep our focus on a higher plane. Quit being so overly concerned. I'm not saying be foolish. We ought to be wise in this world we live in. But we're too concerned with the temporal instead of the eternal. And when you're concerned with what God's concerned with and your focus is on Christ and you realize your citizenship is in heaven, you don't have to worry about the big things of life. And let me say this. If there's no need for us to worry about the big things in life, then why in the world would we worry about the small things in life? And in reality, there's nothing that goes on in this world that's big to God. It's all small to God. I want you to remember this. Big or small, God is God, and he's God over all. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Father, thank you for your word, for the encouragement of your word. Thank you that your word guides us and directs us. I, I praise you that your word is a light in dark times, that it is, a, it is a sure path for us to trod on. Father, I pray for what is taking place in the world, uh, in our country. I pray for those that are in leadership, that uh, God, they would have wisdom to make the right decisions and, and and they'd understand that true wisdom, real true wisdom only comes from you. So that they and, and, and the citizens, alike would turn to you, look to you for that wisdom. And, Father, I I pray that our country would turn to you in this time. We would understand that our only hope is you. But, Father, we'd also understand our biggest threat is you. It's not the coronavirus. It's not the government shutdown. Father, it's you. I thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy that is extended to us. I pray for those involved in what is happening, especially those on the front lines, uh, our, our first responders and those in the medical field, Father, who are being overwhelmed. I pray they would have courage. They would have strength. I thank you for those people that you called to do that work. And, Father, I pray for the gospel. That it would continue to go out uh, using these new avenues and that the, we would make the most of the time, redeeming the time. Father, we'd be about your business. Because no matter what's happening in the world, it does not change who you are. You're God and God alone. It doesn't change who we are as Christians. We're your children. And it does not change what you've called us to do. And that is to wade into the darkness, into the hurt, and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. In Christ's name, amen. Now, church, I need to make a couple announcements before we finish up today. If there is a need, uh, and I'm talking to church family, but anybody's welcome to listen. Church family, if you have a need, uh, especially if you're over 65 years old, uh, you really shouldn't be getting out according to what they're telling us. So please let your deacon know what need you may have. We have folks in our church, younger folks that are standing by. They're on call, ready to help. They'll go to the store for you, uh, get medicine, get the things that you need. Uh, I thank God for our church family, especially during times like this. Also, uh, I would like to, uh, from the Mode family, extend a thank you uh, to our church family for the love, the concern, the prayers, everything that has uh, been shown to the Mode family during the last month and a half or so uh, with uh, Paul's dad and mother going on to glory. The Mode family wants to say thank you, church, for your love and support. Also, Ms. Teresa asked me to remind everybody that uh, you need to check your emails frequently and uh, also check Facebook uh, posts for, for updates. Uh, any other announcements? Wednesday. Wednesday night. Folks, Brother Damon is going to be teaching starting Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. He'll be live streaming. Uh, to this Wednesday night, he's going to talk about the Mexico mission trip and, and the biblical uh, mandate for ministry. Uh, then, starting next week on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock, he's going to be teaching through the book of First Peter. I uh, don't have any other announcements to make. We will keep you informed as things change. And, and as you've heard many people say, what we're facing in the world and country, it's fluid. It's changing all the time. So when we know anything, we'll make sure the church family knows. Uh, I want you to pray for one another. I want you to pray for those in leadership. Uh, Pray for those that are hurting and suffering Uh, Pray, uh, as I did a while ago, for those on the front lines For our nurses, our doctors, the medical staff uh, And pray for one another, check on one another You know, uh, give somebody a phone call, a text Let them know you're thinking about them Let them know you're praying for them And church, most of all, I want you to remember that you're the church And I know you've heard this, you've heard many other pastors probably say it The church is not a building or a piece of property You're the church. I'm the church. So wherever we are, that's where the church is. Now, the reason I want you to understand that is wherever you are, you need to take every opportunity that's given you to share with a hurting world our blessed hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it's by phone, email, text, whatever it may be, church, continue to be the church. God bless. We'll see you soon.